Well, it's been a long time coming. We've been wanting to get, I've been wanting to get this fellow on the show for a while now, but Terry's, been, ho- Terry's been hogging him on the Betfair Edge, but uh, we've locked him in for the 1 1 today. Let's bring him in. Michael Grantham, welcome to the 1 1. Hello, hello, Tether, BJ, how you going? <laughs> very well, Mickey, very well. Great to have you on the show. Um, thought we'd just, uh, just off the off the top, ask the big question. What's it What's it like having Western Temple in your stable now? Western Empire. Western Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I tried to buy a Western Temple, but we missed out. But, no, I don't, I don't have Western Empire. He's probably, oh, probably still um, up in the air, and I think he lobs here next. Oh, lobbed at, uh, at their farm next week, so that'll be a decider of what Peter does with him from there, I guess, and the other two, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, Western Empire, uh, Stage Man, and Regal Power making their way back to uh, Western Australia, and uh, of course, Michael Grantham has to uh, be in the mix, doesn't he, Terry? Certainly does, certainly does. You must be really enjoying um, training some uh, some Ferraris. I think, uh, as yeah. we call them, the uh, yeah, the teams, uh, the teams looking well, fairly exciting at yeah. the moment, Mickey. Yeah, no, it's um, yes, I think I've spoken to the SEM before, and you know, prior to getting these, and when Devoted was winning those races, and yeah, it's just, now it's all set in place, and you know, it just, it just the ball's rolling now, so you don't really have to impress much. You just just got to get on with your job and just make sure we get the results at the end of the day, but. At the moment, everything's going good, and um, I've just got a few exciting three-year-olds that'll step out of the trials, say Monday, and then you know a couple of them will will venture to the races next week as well. So it's good to get that ball rolling. How many bobs have you got in total? Um, to be honest with you, I, <laughs> the top of my head, I actually don't know, but I think there's there's over twenty here at the moment. She is. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, uh, that was sort of the number that I sort of we fixed on with Miss Peters and myself. But uh, at the moment, that's it's a great number for me, just with the other horses I got. But um, I'm handling that pretty well. So I think that there was ever a time where I said I could take more. I, I don't think that would be ever a problem. But um, I prefer just to get through, say, this carnival coming up and then just renegotiate after that I'd say. So <clears throat> so Michael you've you've had a lifetime in, in thoroughbred horse racing of course um, your dad being a jockey and your, your mum a trainer and you of course being being a jockey as well yeah, um, last ride back in 2012 I believe but it's been a real and obviously of course you're um, you're very well known and established within the harness racing circles as well as one of the leading trainer drivers in, in Western Australia but this this thoroughbred training gig it's it's been a rapid rapid rise I'm, I'm looking at your your stats here and your first runner was deadly touch um back, yeah. in, back in may 2020 your first winner was top trade in october I, was about to say, I, remember, I remember top trade so he's gone from training deadly touch and top trade in 2020 to um training for bob peters just a sh- what two years later basically so um what a uh what, what an accomplishment for yourself and for your for your i guess your talents as a horseman yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot to recap on there, but it, um, yeah, obviously when I had finished riding, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, and I stepped into the truck with Dad, obviously, and started doing track work, and um, obviously Mum and Dad divorced, so I moved down with Mum, where it was closer to down Carnarth, and then I started working, well, yeah, working for Adam Durant for a little bit, and ended up obviously going to Melbourne with Mr. Moe, and I learned a lot there, and then, yeah, I just went back to the trucks again, and then 
I don't know. And then I started the trots, and then it just this was all led from there. I don't. I think Dad was the real pusher for me to get my trainer's license because he had that horse top trade, and we got it off uh, Mr. Parnham. And yeah, he ended up being a great horse. He obviously won my first race for me, and I think he just got sold on the English online sale for nine hundred bucks, so he doesn't have much of a life. <laughs> and then yeah, now now it's uh, taking a. Pretty a bit of a rapid rise, but yeah, you got to you got to put in the hard yards to get there. And there's no orphan. There's a lot of people out there working really hard too. So just what you got to do. But it's results based as well. And and of course you 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 know while you know we we commented when you were sort of chipping along there with a very small team that um, the results were coming that you were you were getting you were improving horses and getting them to f- perform at their optimum. But I suppose the real turning point for your thoroughbred training was was securing Captain Chaos and, and doing the, the amazing deeds that you that you did with him. And, it was a mate. Yeah, well. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, obviously, that was, obviously, my girlfriend, Tanil, her uncle, Steve DeCampo, um, owns a horse with, um, you know, a syndicate of his mates from back in the day and obviously the passing of Trevor Roach, who did have him prior, used to, obviously, he used to, hang out with the family and I knew him and the horse and um yeah obviously I got the, the call up just because Trev was going through his cancer and um all those sort of things back and forth and he wasn't going to have time for the horse anymore so yeah I he sort of everything that I've done I've always something always just slipped in at the right time and I guess you got to be grateful for those things. So, so how did the relationship with Peter's Investments, Bob, Sandra, Liam and the crew, how did that, how did that start? Well, I had a couple of emails that I had missed prior to Mr. Peter's obviously contacting. Bob, Bob's going uh, straight to your spam with that. <laughs> Jeez. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. They've got to be high priority, <laughs> Mickey. <laughs> and, but then I obviously, I obviously get along great with his grandson, Liam, and he he was on the phone to me one morning. You've got to call him. You've got to call him now. Don't kick him out with it and all that. So obviously you had obviously the Bob Peter's written in my phone and I was, you know, Eight got it, and eight got it. Don't call, don't call, and then went to call, and then don't call, and then, you know, got, got the courage to call, and it was basically, yeah, straight away like that. And I think uh, within that phone call, I think it was in the next sort of five to six days, I I had a load of six horses rock up. What, what's what's it? What's the? I mean, just making the phone. Like, we haven't even had the courage to get him on, even attempt to get him on the no. show. Let him alone have a private phone conversation with him, like uh, like you did. Uh, such is the aura of the of the man, Michael. But what's what's the? Um, I guess the pressure like of uh, of assuming one of the, um, you know, like training for our biggest owner. Yeah. To to be honest with you, I you know my pops a bit of a hard ass. Um, my dad's a hard ass, so at the end of the day, he's I just he's someone's grandfather, he's someone's dad, he's someone's brother, or you know he's he, he's a normal person, and I, I treat him exactly like that, and he's great to listen to. You can he's been around the track for you know how many years, and look how successful he's been. So he's no he's no nitwit. He knows what he's talking about, and he's he's really great to listen to, and. If you ever need to ask something, not only about his horses, I always ask him about, you know, you know, my horses. Like, say, comes a time, and you know, what would you do with ratings? And yeah, he's he's really good. He's always helpful. But um, yeah, just don't beat about around the bush. Just tell him the truth and just push on with it. I think he really respects that. 
Now you <clears throat> you, you chipped away with uh, won a couple of maiden races, I think, for for Bob originally, and then obviously things really kicked into gear when you were able to go bang, 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 win three three races straight with a horse by the name of Devoted, uh, including the uh, the Belmont Guineas and the and the Aquanita. Um, he's obviously heading towards the big races, I, I imagine, railway stakes type horse. Um, give, the, give the listeners a bit of an insight into Devoted, what your plans are with him and any other horses that we should be looking out for. Yeah, obviously he obviously come from Grant Alina and he ran third behind Treasured Star and in the guineas and probably just wasn't wasn't there mentally with him at that time. So um, with her, sorry, I should say. So obviously I've, yes. Yeah, Got, got him off that off my own prep and he was to do what he did but um, he's going to trial Monday and then it'll be on the 15th of October there's a race at Ascot the Experian or Stakes or something like that at a 1400 and then he sort of really needs to win that to get his rating and his prize money up to, to be making sure we do get a start in those bigger races but um, that that's where he'll be heading um, and yeah obviously Windstorm he'll start Oh, in he's the a, same bit of a bit of a forgotten horse, Windstorm, yeah, okay. Yeah, the same race as Devoted and, yeah, the chaos will be there too. So it'll be hectic times ahead, but obviously, yeah, very fortunate times as well. Chaos and Devoted in a photo on Railway Stakes Day for first. Who are we cheering for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, I know the answer to that. <laughs> I love the Cerise and White, but the old fateful chaos. So it wouldn't really matter if I could know it. I would, uh, I would just be hoping not to wake up from the dream, I guess. <laughs> now, Michael, you obviously have a significant investment in, in harness racing. How How is the, uh, the alignment with Peter's investment? How has that impacted what you are doing in the harness racing world? Um, it, it slowed me up a lot, uh, as in just, it's not really the hours during the day, it's just more, I want to be a, a fair bit more, say, switched on towards the, the horses, um, you know, in their training and just making sure they get programmed right in, you know, making sure they're ready for the races and stuff like that. But I still love driving on the, um, the Friday night because it sort of takes away that um, that five to six hours of the, the less stress to worry about for the Saturday races in a way. But it, it's, yeah, I've, I'm not driving this Friday. I've just, I'm sort of coming to the end of it where I'm not going to say I can't be bothered, but, yeah, I just, you know, life goes on and you know, different opportunities have come my way and I've, I've got to take it while I can. In your riding career, did you ever ride a winner in the Cerise and White? had one ride for Mr. Peters, and I think it was called Majestic Prince for Ross Price on Melbourne Cup Day over 1,800, and it ran fifth. And that was the only ride I got. I remember I used to always harass Grant, um, obviously Puffer all the time for a ride, and I just I just wasn't in Mr. Peters' mojo at that time, so I never got another opportunity. <laughs> I was just thinking if you've uh, if you've got a ride in the uh, a drive, I should call mm-hmm. it in the uh, what's it called, the big race at Gloucester Park in April. Their their race is called the Nullarbor. The Nullarbor. Yeah. If you've got a so you could have a a drive in the Nullarbor, mm-hmm. a runner in the Quokka. Quokka, and then all you need to do is buy a share in a dog. <laughs> you can. Uh, well, I got I got we got shares in the dogs with um Brad 
um, Hilly Stevie and Chris. I think it's, it's one of them. I can only remember. I think it's called the Esperance King. Yeah. It goes all right, but it keeps breaking down. So Imagine that. I, yeah, I know. We're, I don't know who's going to cough up the money for the slot. I think those jockeys are sort of something out. Jeez, that, that could be a big 24 hours, good enough. Oh, Mickey G, that would be amazing. Hey, mate, I've always been fascinated. Um, what's it, What's the difference between riding a winner in the gallops and driving a driving a winner? Is it the same adrenaline? Do you get that same uh, uh, thrill? Um, and uh, yeah, just and and. Is the driving something that you? I know you mentioned that you're thinking about winding down, but is it is it something that um, that you, is there still some things that you want to do in the in the harness racing world before you you transition, I guess, full time to thoroughbreds? Yeah, I, I've always said to people when they've asked me what's the difference between you know the driving and the riding, but I wish I had drove first um, and then rode. Driving's a lot more tactical than race riding. I've yeah, obviously I had that racing brain from when I rode. So then I was, I went to driving, and it's just a full. I felt useless, like I was so green out there. It's it's very tactical, um, very speed orientated. You got to you got to know your horses like the back and hand in a trotting race. You know the breeze might be there. You know something might hand up. You got to know if they've gone a fast lead time, pull out three wide. It's um, you know, you don't just go to the breeze for any reason. And, you know, at the gallops, you, you can just pop. You can let 100 to 1 go and you're a dollar four favourite and you just, you know, you just pop outside and then you win. It's it's not as, as easy as that in the trots. Um, but as in driving and riding a winner, I'd have to say training a winner is the most, yeah, satisfaction ever. Mm, yeah. When you drive a winner, it's, you know, it's great. It's, and it obviously pays a lot on who you actually drive the horse and the winner for. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just awesome, you know, for someone that doesn't really get many winners and you drive a winner for them at, say, Calibaran, you'd, you'd much more appreciate driving a winner for them than driving a Friday night winner for the same people you drive for every night because it's not as much excitement, you know. Mm. And, and that would go for everyone else. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say that it, it's – I'd love – you know, a few jockeys haven't really – they have Christian Hawkins, like he was a good driver, but you know, not many people come over from the trots and, and made it from riding to, to driving. They all they went driving to obviously Puffer and Justin and that. But yeah, it's, it's very hard, I reckon. So do you think if you so just touching on what you said at the beginning of yep. your answer, if you had have driven first that you would have been a better jockey, do you think? No. 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 <laughs> oh, well, I don't like from a tactical point my, of view. I wouldn't wouldn't call myself a, a good jockey. I I can sit on and I can stay on the horse, but yeah. <laughs> it, um, it you know I never really rode long enough to to sort of warrant any sort of you know accomplishment in that way. Okay, but yeah, I would say it's a lot. I I wish I'd get. Yeah. I um, drove and then rode, but it could have made me better. You never know. But mm. my weight was always going to get in the way. So just. A few more things. Um, what what have you have you had to buy a property? Have you had to expand expand your operations because you've gone from basically a boutique, a really sort of small thoroughbred operation to what now training twenty horses for uh, Peter's Investments plus others. How how is that? What have you had to do to accommodate the your your new your new setup? Um, obviously, I had to put on some more staff. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, no, I'm out at Shangri-La where um, I first started. As, as well with Mr. Parnham. Um, and he's still got the same amount and I've just built more paddocks down the back and, and cut them off. And yeah, it's, it's 
I've just had to expand in that way and just put in the hard yards to make things accommodation. Sorry, um, but it's it's all been pretty well. But just yeah, you just got to do it off your own back and have a crack, really. All right, um, Terry, you want to ask Michael about his runners this weekend? Yeah, we'll have a quick chat about well a couple of other ones as well. Uh, Arcadia Grace. Uh, one thing that I've loved since you've taken over a few of these Cerise and White runners, and we'll talk about one in a second, a different one in a second. But um, you, you've got them to improve from from fairly accomplished trainers. Absolutely. Um, Arcadia Grace was going to be anything, and then was nothing. She was I guess <laughs> um, she's only had a couple of appearances for you, but they've geez, they've been uh, eye catching efforts. Uh, where is uh, he, she, 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 she at she. Grace, of course. I'm good with that. Um, she, she, um, after her last run, I sort of maybe thought I'd come to the end with her a little bit, just with her mannerism. So I told Mr. Peters that, and he said, okay, we'll give her a little spell because she'd been up for a while just mm-hmm. working on her. So just elected just to hold up on her because she was going well. Um, we put her back out in the paddock, but. It's, I don't think I'm improving them. I just think I'm getting these horses at the right time as in maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, the same as Frigid. You know, Hayden got handballed a, a Ferrari and she wasn't matured enough when he had her. And, you know, he won a race with her. And then obviously whatever happened there happened, I'm not sure. And then I got her and I was able to ride her and she just got better. So, you know, you, not say you improve them, you just, yeah, they're just, you, they're a year older and, you know, they they might be still racing the same horses as what they were last year. The other ones haven't won a race, but she was going good. But, yeah, she just had to hold up on her and, yeah, she probably won't be far from coming back in, I'd say. Jeez, you're modest, Mickey. He is, yeah, he's modest. So, so on Frigid, uh, well, what sort of, what sort of programming are we talking about with her? I'd have no idea. I think um, she's obviously got very straight legs in front and obviously Mr. Peters, he babies her a lot only because it's his only uh, only horse out of Fuchsia Bandana. Obviously, Mm -hmm. she died. So I think, yeah, I think he would never, ever push her to her limits because obviously with breeding, I would assume, but that's only what I'm taking out of what I can see what's happening. But um, I think she would need the softer tracks, but... Um, she'd done well this time in on the heavier tracks and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what that would have in plan and, for her. And advance was uh, impressive, I thought, in the get-out stakes last last Very Saturday. Good. good win. Second up. Yeah. he um, Obviously, I gave him the one trial and um, I, he blew out on me with that race and I probably didn't have him fit enough, which I I realised straight away. And uh, so I went three weeks between runs with him and I, I was yeah happy to redeem myself. And um, obviously... He he, <laughs> Chris forgot to pull the first one out, so it was good that he got to the five hundred. Started angling out, I was I was wrapped with that. We'll get to uh, we'll get to that one in a second. But you got three in this weekend. Uh, in the first, you've got uh, Central Force on debut. Didn't really know what to make mm. uh, of the trials. Probably looking for uh, a little bit further at this stage. I don't think he's a six horse field. Yeah, he's a very nice horse. He's very progressive. Um, I love him. He's very laid-back, chilled sort of a customer. And um, when he sort of drew that barrier, it, it was good, I thought. So I'm more, just more looking for him to, to see where he's at with the field he's up against. But mm-hmm. um, obviously, he's going to need more ground. And he was a purchased horse from the the um, breeze-up sales over, I can't remember where he actually got him from. Um, but yeah, he's he'll whatever he does on Saturday, he's going to improve on. Uh, race six, you've got real Grace. Uh, Grace, 
Grace. Mm. Uh, tough watch. Uh, tough watch, first and second first up. First and second up, yeah. Uh, it's rare you see, I, I wrote in my preview earlier, it's rare you see a horse sort of first up for 14 months race on three consecutive weekends, but it's probably like she hasn't actually uh, really been to the races. She hasn't been extended to this point in time. So you've got a thousand? A uh, couple of grass gallops, really. A couple of grass gallops. A thousand <laughs> to 12 up to the 1400. Uh, any query on the 1400? Uh, if, if you go back, I, I had a deep diver and watched her two trials for you as well. And geez, every public appearance, she's just looked elite. Like, obviously, she hasn't got a look at them in her last two. So she don't, we don't know how she would have let down, but. You feel like she was going to really let down. She, um, I'm yeah. She got held up, which it doesn't matter. You get a split second decision to make, and you, sometimes you don't make the right one. He, his races haven't been run to suit um, Chris either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not. There's no more point pointing finger. I know what it's like. But when you drive, you make the wrong decision. Whoopie do. We can go around next week, but <laughs> it's she's going good. I don't know how much scope she actually has. She worked really, really well this morning. I gave her another hit out just because we haven't been fully extended at the races. Um, but, yeah, I think <laughs> you know what's going to happen, don't you? Chris is going to override her and the horse will go shocking. So <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen. But everything between that run has been fine, but I can't see the 1,400 being a problem because she doesn't really she doesn't pull in the run and, you know, Chris can hopefully expose her when he needs to and hopefully we have the oxygen there. Yeah, well, she, it's a funny race because there's a real lack of speed in it as well. And, and the way she jumped in the trials and the fact she's up in trip, I, it's probably, I know you'd probably prefer to race her with cover, but it's not impossible. She sort of gets planted in, in, in the first few. So um, does Bob, when, he, when your horses come to him tactically, does he have much to say? Does he say, I want them? Because he's obviously seen the majority of Bob's. They're ridden with cover. He doesn't have, you don't see too many of the Cerise and White rolling out in front or being ridden them in that particular manner. Does he have much to say when it comes to tactics in that sense? He does. He likes them just to jump and muster and hold their spots. Um, he believes that at Belmont you sort of got to be on the pace. You don't really want to be back. If you're good enough, you can shoot away and, and win. Um, he believes that at Ascot you can sort of be back another pair because the swoopers, he, he loves his horses swooping. Mm-hmm. Um, he hates his horses fading on their run. So even if you run fifth and you've, you've come from last and you've made up a heap of ground, that's just what he wants to see. He doesn't want to see other horses running past him. Um, getting back to sort of saying with with real Grace jumping, she sort of missed the kicker last two, but in her trial she's flown the mm-hmm. gates twice. So yeah. I can't figure out what's going on, whether, whether the, the, the bombing the start to make sure she is back in the field. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't take that on what I just said then, but I just don't know what's going on with her, you know, but, yeah, I, I think that if there's no speed and she jumped like she has been, I don't don't see the reason why she couldn't lead or sit in behind and there's yeah, there's no reason that Mr. Peters would be angry with that at all. Uh, and then race number eight, uh, your only non-Bob runner for the day. Comes a time. Uh, the Shades have gone back on. Uh, I think they thought Clint was riding Billy Ray, Billy Ray but that was yeah. a late decision to switch Billy Ray the other way. So the Pontiff goes on, but tell you what, the Pontiff's riding as well as anyone at the moment. So while it probably wasn't plan A, I don't think it's necessarily a bad plan B. Uh, as The Shades are important. I, was, I thought Comes a Time was home and hose last start. Were you, were you a touch disappointed with the final 50 metres there or am I being a little bit harsh? <coughs> it was um, with uh, Clint and um, Clint not riding him. We had him booked at three, oh, 3.01 or whatever it was and then 
um, Billy Ray wasn't going to the race, and then yeah, ten past. Adam obviously McGrath called and said that they were heading that way with Billy, so that was hundred percent fine. And then in the meantime, I organised Paul, and then yeah, then then they called back said Billy wasn't going that way, but I said oh, but come we'll get us if if it ends up you know taking. Is the Harvey off and putting Clint back on, and they understood that because they already committed. But that's fine. That's that's racing. It happens all the time. You're a bit so. scared of the Pontiff as well. <laughs> no way. <laughs> he's still the best out there. Don't you worry. <laughs> when he's on, he's on. Um, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with um, maybe 50 to go, but mm-hmm. you know, Clint even admitted that he didn't see that horse coming, and I don't reckon anyone did, but. He put the stick away and, and Richie, he sort of... Richie, more, Bell's, more. Richie Bell certainly didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I wasn't even really watching because I had my other horse, Son of a God, out of the back and I thought something seriously wrong sort of went wrong with him. So I was more, you know, a bit concerned about that and then we got beat and then I was through with bloody toys out of the cot. But <laughs> um, I put the blinkers back on him and, you know, the Pontus pretty good with the persuader so yeah just hold it flat and don't look back up the straight <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic looks a great race so with comes a time uh, all things being equal uh, press on towards the hannon's handicap perhaps i'd say just say if he won that race with any sort of dilemma and he he won really well you'd maybe just skip the hannon's and maybe look at something for the ass.com carnival maybe mm-hmm. just give him a, a couple three weeks off and then go again but um, you know, a lot of people love to say they're going to the Hannons and don't end up going. So, yeah, we'll just have to see after Saturday. I can't really make a decision on that at the moment. It's, um, yeah, the ballpark's wide open. Well, good luck with your runners on, on Saturday, Michael. I've got two more questions for you. One, yep. can you give us one horse's name that you're very excited about moving uh, moving forward into the spring that we haven't heard of yet? Um, into the spring... Is he, I like a horse called Debonair. It's one of Mr. Peters's. Yep, Debonair and Ocean Avenue. They're, they're two of my picks. Very good. We'll put them down in our black books. And last, lastly from me, just from a training point of view, um, what have you learned the most from Bob Peters when it comes to your training? I heard a bit of a whisper that you were you were sort of a little bit easier on them that he would have, than he would have liked originally um, and then is 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 the is the getting the work into them getting the fitness into them. what's the what's the key thing that you've learnt so far from a training of thoroughbreds from Bob Peters well I went to that trials the first time I had his step out and they went well and I thought oh yeah beautiful I've got him went two weeks later to Pinjara and they pulled up that big and I love to work horses I love getting into them and whatever so that night I got home and I harrowed my track right up and I made it real deep and I felt they were, they were feeling sorry for themselves for the next week and then I <laughs> redeemed myself and and come out a week a week and a half later and yeah advanced one oh we won the two during the week with two and then we advanced one and then devoted one so they just kept on going so I've learned to to work the horses and keep them happy and healthy all in all in a a period of three hours and one my first meeting of having runners for Mr. Peters. There you go. Very good. Hey mate, <clears throat> really appreciate your time, Michael. One of the rising stars of the uh, of the thoroughbred training ranks and uh, absolute character. Pleasure to have you on the show. Good luck on the weekend and, and good luck with uh, with your whole operation moving forward into the rest of the year. 
No, anytime. Thank you very much for that. Cheers, Mickey. Yeah, mate.